This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. This is exciting. I am in a room here with some pretty incredible facilitators, humans, overall yeah, humans. I guess we are humans. Yeah. Can I say we're humans? <laughs> we're pretty we're sure. totally human. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I can vouch for me anyway. And myself, I can sure. vouch. Okay. Human. Darcy's like, do you classify as human? And he goes, I'm a meat popsicle. <laughs> you remember the fifth element? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Anyway, uh, tonight we're talking about well-briety, and I am going to pass it off to the wonderful and lovely Marilyn Shingoose. You're welcome. <laughs> It's it's a program that I've been on about for a while and always hope that it could come and be um, used in Calgary. And uh, I think it's the women, we've had a lot of women come out and each week when they come back, you can tell that something's happened in their lives. Pretty good. Um, something's changed. And we have a really good time just... Uh, you know, watching the video and then talking about it and, you know, having coffee and tea after and just, you know, hanging out. Everybody seems to like that. It's like nobody wants to leave, you know, so I think it's really good. I think it's really awesome. I'm really honored and have the opportunity to be a part of this. I'm looking forward to the next one that we'll be doing as well. First, I was really grateful that we got sponsored to go and become facilitators. Mm. Uh, For me, that was a, I don't know why they're taking a chance on me, but okay, I'll take that as a good sign. I better go. Um, I actually get very worried and concerned about unhealthy elders. And just from what I've come across in the course of my life um, through intergenerational trauma of you know, government imposed policies on our people, the result is a lot of unhealthy elders. Mm. So I get really nervous about something called, you know, white bison society. What does that mean? So I was really skeptical. And uh, when I when I was sponsored to come in, I was like, well, what's the worst case? What What's the worst thing can happen? I go there and I think it's bull. So I go and I start... You know, I meet everybody. We opened up in a really great way when we did our facilitator. A really great facilitator named Tanya, fabulous person. Um, 
so you know we opened it up we had some really good uh people in the in the circle that made it really good and whole and as soon as you watch the first video you're like oh this is legit this is something that's real um regardless there's still that extra as a woman who's experienced violence from men that concern like you know on the down low talking to people so what do you really know about this don guy and uh, don is the founder of of this white bison society work and uh someone's opinion that really mattered to me because i knew it was legitimate um our ways uh was the two-spirit because two-spirit are generally uh not generally let me back up let me reframe that there there is a lot of homophobia and transphobia taught by the catholic schools and, and christianity in our circles mm. and as a result that really marginalizes uh two-spirit indigenous people those are uh, people that identify as gay lesbian bisexual transgender um, and every nation had their own role for people who identified in these ways but because of colonialism a lot of that was erased so my next concern was how two-spirit friendly is the white bison society so i talked to a friend of mine um, named Harlan Pruden, and he's the founder of the Two-Spirit uh, Journal. He's a gay Cree man who ran away to uh, New York and made, us, made himself a life and proudly, you know, hired by Obama to take care of their Food and Drug Administration work when it came to specifically HIV, uh, things like that. And I, I said, so what do you know about this Don guy and this course? He's like, oh, I funded it. I said, what? So I said, is it Two-Spirit friendly? And he said, yeah. When he developed the course, he actually brought a whole table of two-spirit people and and uh, introduced them in a really good way and said, whatever we do here needs to be funneled through the two-spirit to make sure that it's right. And uh, I immediately felt like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to be a part of then. And, um, and I've just felt really good about that to kind of carry that message forward so that when people go into these circles and they find out, like... I'm not perfect. No one is perfect. We're all on our, our journey. But, um, you know, I think such a good intention went into this that I feel really good about being facilitator of it. So I'm really grateful to do Mending Broken Hearts because I know we experience disproportionate amount of loss. Uh, the Truth and Rec or the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Inquiry calls it genocide, and mm. I believe it's genocide. I wish all Canadians seen it as genocide. And uh, as a result, we have a lot of folks who have, you know, unresolved relationships, unresolved grief, and that's the purpose of mending broken hearts. And I think that's the, one of the most powerful things that I've seen as a person, a part of the committee here for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. That's the biggest gap, is that the Calgary police don't know how to deal with it, the RCMP don't know how to deal with it, the victim services not good enough for what we need to do, no smudging, um, no talk about the medicine wheel. There's so many gaps when it comes to it. So this course is really like a good uh, start to help fill that gap. And the need, the need is so great. So I couldn't tell you how honored I am to be a part of Mending Broken Hearts. And then with the Wellbriety, um, you know, I've gone to codependency support groups and Al-Anon to talk about how al alcoholism has affected my life. And... Um, I just feel it's a really safe place for me to be. So I'm not a facilitator of wellbriety, but I've been in those circles and, you know, really learn a lot from the videos and, and the, 
you know, having a support group is always good. So I'm really proud to be a part of this and, you know, grateful to be here today too. So yeah, with that, I'll pass it on to this guy sitting beside me, the producer. The producer. The producer. I like it too. Next. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, no, I, it's funny because uh, Michelle and I talk about this, you know, at home. Not talk about what goes on, but just, you know, how it's affecting us doing the uh, well variety specifically right now. And for me, like we always, we've become joking around that it's like our weekly therapy session. So, because mm. I feel like I'm getting more out of it on becoming a better human being than I am actually facilitating for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's become quite a close-knit group, and it's actually really cool. I find that kind of a, a neat thing. And, uh, yeah, it's just, for me, it's it's been a learning experience, and I never thought I would be doing something like this. So it's, uh, it's kind of shocking that I am. But, um, yeah, I really like it. It's like counseling every week. I come away, and I'm like, Oh my God, I got something to think about now all week and <laughs> something to work on. And, you know, and I never thought that would happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been really cool. It's been eye opening. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Heather? Oh, thanks, Darcy. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm going to take it right back to the beginning of, mm. of how we all got um, mm. involved with this. So, um, Bob Federcheck is not here this evening. He's not well. We're keeping him in our prayers. But he came to me and said, you know, Heather, I, I just learned about this program and I, I'd like to go and take this training. And I said, well, well what is it? Right, what is this well-briety thing? Because I had never heard of it. And so what I learned is Don Coyas of the Mohican Nation, he looked at AA and said, you know what, this is great, but dot, dot, dot. You know, and there was a lot of things that were missing for Indigenous people who need recovery in, in various areas of their life um, that could benefit from the program, the 12-step program from AA, uh, but don't feel comfortable with the way the 12-step AA program rolls out currently. Mm-hmm. So if you're not familiar with 12-step AA programs, they're often in church basements. Mm. They use the word God a lot. There is a lot of intergenerational trauma related to religion Mm -hmm. for a lot of Indigenous people. So walking into a church basement and hearing people tell you you got to get God or you're not going to get sober is really intimidating and hard Mm -hmm. and not helpful. Mm -hmm. So Don Coyas created the White Bison Incorporated, which developed the Wellbriety Program. The Wellbriety Program consists of about six to ten different training programs. So uh, Medicine Wheel and 12 Steps, Mending Broken Hearts, Warrior Down um, are the ones that come to my mind right now, and I should have brought a list, but I didn't. And so we uh, want to support Bob. At the time, I was involved with the Right Relations team here at Wild Rose United Church, and they had some leftover money from the Art Festival grant that we had. So they were generous and gave him the funding to be able to get that training, mm. which was awesome, right? And then we started trying to host the Wellbriety uh, Medicine Wheel and 12-step groups here at Wild Rose United Church with Elder Marilyn Shingoose. And there were some difficulties, right? Like you have to smudge before every meeting. And they did not have a smudge policy in place. Mm. So we were smudging into the building 
right? And then coming into a room that had not been smudged to try and discuss some pretty difficult topics. So there was there was things that we had to overcome, and eventually they worked with us and developed a smudge pro- policy. Mm-hmm. And at this time, I was able to talk to David and say, David, Freedom's Path Recovery Society would work perfectly in harmony with White Bison and the Wellbriety programs. So I started chasing funding. I started looking for people who wanted to be involved. Yeah. And we were able to secure funding, which was amazing. And able to get training for a number of people for, a num- for both the Medicine Wheel and the 12 Steps and the Mending Broken Hearts. Mm-hmm. So Medicine Wheel and the 12 Steps, pretty straightforward. Addiction recovery using the 12 steps, but instead of it being like a one to 12 checklist, it follows the teachings of the medicine wheel in a cyclical fashion, mm-hmm. right? The four seasons, the four stages, eight stages of life, um, the four stages of, of re- 12 stages of recovery applied to the four stages of the medicine wheel. And then mending broken hearts is about grief, trauma, recovery. So it's about looking at like incomplete relationships, people that were mourning, people that we, um, that were grieving that have not died, right? That those relationships are just toxic or severed or disconnected for whatever reason. Um, and so we're, we've been able to connect with the, Darcy was able to connect us to the Metis Local 87 to host our men and women's groups on Mondays and Tuesdays and they've been going since November and that's been awesome right and then we were able to Michelle reached out to the Aboriginal Friendship Center and was able to develop a plan for us to launch the Many Broken Hearts program and I'm not sure what else I can say about that I talked a lot of like about the logistics for me personally i'll talk a little i'll I'll go back um when i first started sobering up eight years ago i went to a drum circle on like the third day Mm. of me trying to detox and i was a mess i was not on this planet i was like somewhere else um driving to this drum circle Someone on the radio announced that there was a bar in my hometown that was accepting AA tokens for a free drink. Oh. <laughs> right? So. That's so awful. Get, right. So it felt like, in, in the state of mind that I was in at the time, it felt like everything was working against me getting sober. Mm. Right? And so I went to this drum circle. She gave me a drum that had a white bison on it painted on it and this was my first time holding a drum in a circle and I banged on it and I wailed and I'm crying and everything's so intense and emotional and that was just kind of like a pivotal moment where I'm like you know what I don't have to keep carrying this pain alone right and as I journeyed through recovery which included like 12-step programs treatment centers hospitals um therapy, counseling, um, church, recovery church, all of these things were great, but did not address the intergenerational component of addiction in my family. 
right? Because I am dealing with my own trauma, yes, and that connected to my addiction. But there's also multiple generations of trauma that related to addiction in my family. So I needed to look at that too for there to be long-term healing. So Wilbridey's been really amazing for me that way. No, you're good. I know. I'm just letting you throw things across oh. the room so that... <laughs> well, I was going to toss and it And he can edit it out. <laughs> oh. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, Briety's been an amazing... It, it's so important to have cultural perspectives and to honor our differences, celebrate our differences. Um, and I feel like it does that. So that's my long-winded commentary that I'll wasn't long-winded yeah it was not, not if you think about the fact that we have as much time as we need <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> long-winded well, it's, it's is good to get that history the kind of yeah. context of how it came to be right yeah exactly it doesn't just pop out of nowhere yesterday and hey this sounds like fun it's, yeah it's been something that's been in the plan for a long time well and and the yeah. well Bridie program has existed for 30 years yeah too. you can tell by the videos yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a true story. Yes. <laughs> I definitely need to update those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wonder if they can still do the same kind of filming in prisons down there, though. They yeah. might not let you anymore. Yeah, who I mean, they got so much corruption down there. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm grateful for the history of it, too, because I remember when, when it was first proposed to me, um, or suge not suggested, I can't even remember really how it came about i think we we're just talking mm -hmm. and uh but i just remember feeling like yeah it's the right thing to do like i didn't know why because i don't i didn't have a clue i had no idea about it either like um i'd never even heard the words before when she said white bison i'm like there's white bison left i'm like where are these white bison at <laughs> um because i i just am not ignorant right so when we got the funding to go for training oh my god i was so nervous like so nervous because I had a feeling I'd be one of the only white people there, right? Sure. And, um, but I also remember thinking, okay, that makes that I'm nervous, but that's a good nervous, yeah. right? It's a good nervous because I don't know what it's like to be the only white person somewhere, right? I don't. Right. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't know what that's like. So, um, I just kind of faith creator was gonna get me through, and and I, I know that I, I'm okay at learning stuff most of the time. Uh, and getting out of the way when it comes to being in someone else's like playground and sandbox and all that kind of stuff. But I got there and, um, well, first of all, we the first, the twelve step medicine wheel twelve step group I went to with Darcy, Marilyn, and Heather, uh, and it was so awesome because I got us the worst hotel in this in the town of Rocky Mountain yep. House, right? Yeah. I got us the worst hotel. And this, this, that process of me getting that worst hotel for us, that changed how I look at booking our holidays. So, because I was like, dude, you are terrible at this. <laughs> so, I, so from, that's what I said. I said, I'm terrible at this. So, I am going to say, how about Heather helps us book our places when we go on trips? Because <laughs> I'm finding the cheapest place, right? And of course, because I'm used to sleeping in like, I, all I remember about cheap hotels is when I was 18 living in a cheap hotel, right? And so I'm like, oh, yeah, but it was only like 12 bucks a day. You could like you know, stay there for, yeah, 12 bucks a day and your neighbors you don't want to know. Um, <laughs> but, but we got out there and 
it was just so I was welcomed, right? Like just so welcomed, and uh, and that I was grateful for that because I just I just wanted to learn, right? And I still just want to learn. Um, but that was an eye-opening experience uh, that it's hard, was hard for me to describe until I went back and then took the mending broken hearts with Michelle and Marilyn, mm -hmm. and um, we took it together, right? No, was it Michelle? Oh, Bob. That's right. Sorry, Marilyn. That's um, okay. I guess you were there in spirit. Yeah, always. I just had no idea. <laughs> always. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I took that and and that changed. That changed me. Like it just changed me. Like when you mentioned Michelle about, um, we wish our, our countrymen would understand that it was genocide. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what happened or how I was able to finally hear all this, but I was that time, and I get goosebumps every time I think about it. And like it's no different right now, but. Um, I remember just thinking, first of all, I was mad. I was mad because we were never told, right? We were never given an opportunity to choose as like the um, Caucasian, right? As a Caucasian kid, I was never given an opportunity to choose, mm -hmm. to understand whether it was genocide or whether it was made up or whatever people wanted you to think, right? Like back then. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember. Like, I just know that my parents were always welcoming of everyone. But outside of that, um, I had no idea the depth of the of the pain, right? Like, and and I think it's important. Like, if it was up to me, I would sponsor every person I know to go and take mending broken hearts. And the reason I would do it is not so they could facilitate it, but so you could understand, right? Because look, and I, I think the the first group. And sorry, I'm rambling now because no, you got me going. But I'm I was thinking about the first group that that last circle we had, and a gentleman said this to me, and I probably have said this many times, but I, I, I repeat it because it's important to me. It's like a part of my, almost a part of like my ethos now, his voice, and I can't remember his name. He's the guy that we drove back to town. Yeah, I don't remember his name, um, terrible things. Wonderful dude, uh, yeah. just a wonderful human, yeah, right? Like, and he had some great stories. But we're in the circle, and and I'm, he can tell, he's looking at my face while people were talking. And I'm obviously like, oh my God, I am part of the worst culture on the planet. <laughs> like, I am feeling that way, right? And he can tell because he's like looking at me and I'm just like sinking into my chair like, fuck, what do we do? Like, what do we do? And, and all I can think, and he goes, he goes, Dave, he goes, we don't blame you, but we have to be able to talk about it, right? And... And when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, so you don't blame me. You're not telling, talking to me, telling me this, because that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that's probably how a lot of like, white people feel, mm -hmm. is that we take the blame instead of just hearing it. Mm -hmm. Hear what happens and realize that we weren't there and that we still have to deal with it. Because the, the gender generational trauma isn't just on one side, right? Like how... How many generations does it take to create a, a serious racist? How many? I don't know. But I can tell you, with all the information available in our hands today, and there are still people who are racist for those old reasons, I think there's something not right there intergenerationally, right? Because that same trauma that was committed was committed by people. And I don't know what your guys' take on this is, but my take is I, everyone I've known, who's committed trauma on other people do not live good lives mm -hmm. if they continue, right? 
And so in my mind, I don't know, maybe you guys will have some information on this, but I I don't know. Like I, what is it going to take to grind out all the ignorance from our like history and and not to say, not, not to say like, okay, now you got to pay us back for all this. We could never pay back. Like, let's just be honest. Right. But to say actually, yes, it was genocide. Right. Yes, it was. It was the crowns like that, whether it was up here or down in the States, it was the crown or it was the president. It was the government down there that wanted to systematically destroy a whole population. Right. And and to me, there's no doubt anymore that that's happened. I almost laughed out loud when you mentioned the RCMP. I'm like, oh, those bastards who basically were participating in starting the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. On On behest of the queen. Right or whatever thing Canadian pol- politicians tell themselves. The British monarchy. Yeah, British monarchy. Sorry. Damn, damn British. Monarchy. See, I'm an American, so when it, as soon as someone says "damn British," I'm like, "The British are coming! The British are coming!" Oh yeah, we're gonna get you, suckers. And I just picture the Sex Pistols on a on a boat, <laughs> leaving the UK permanently, <laughs> singing the anthem they need to sing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where do they go? They were the exiled to the Did states, they? and yeah. they went to New York. But yeah, they they went on a on a ship, and they purposely said "God Save the Queen" in their song, their way, and um, <laughs> really two fingers up in the yeah. air, and and that's how they left Britain, Why which they I get, think is brilliant. How do they get uh, banished? Or well, because they sang "God Save the Queen," mm-hmm. their uh, version that got them banished. Oh, and that then, got so them. Then, as they were leaving, they got on a barge. Mm-hmm. And they they set up speakers and all their equipment and they played that song as they left port. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> but it's funny. I remember um, quite a few years ago, we were sitting. Michelle and I were sitting in a cafe talking to some friends of hers, and uh, we were talking about this. And the one guy was adamant that it was not genocide. You can't call it genocide. It wasn't genocide. So I like. We have smartphones. Like it's Label not, it right. So I literally, I literally picked it up, went to dictionary.com, looked up genocide, and then I read the definition of genocide, and he was just like, well, okay, I guess, <laughs> I guess technically it was by that definition. I'm like... This was long before the TRC on. and such. Yeah, this, this was, was actually a liberal mm-hmm. meeting. You were talking yeah. about liberals, yeah. and mm-hmm. he's being kind by not naming them, but yeah. I will name them. Like... These are people who make policy in denial of the genocide against indigenous people. Um, and like, I mean, I've had people of color say it's not genocide to me. Oh, what we lived through was genocide. What you lived through is not. Um, you know, I've, I've had people say that to me because they're so ignorant of mm. the reality of the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, it's but I mean, I come from the generation of, you know, the Sex Pistols telling the queen what they think and you know, um, the truth is out there of the X-Files. Like, I, I come from that generation where I've never fully trusted. Even my um, my grandfather, my white grandfather, he was military. And we taught, had extensive conversations about things like UFOs and uh, corruption within the military. That's actually how he left the military, mm. was that he was pointing out something that was wrong. So they gave him an early retirement so that nobody else would get in trouble. So, like, I, that's been my exposure to the system, and mm. that's even through white people, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I. it's too bad that some people will believe a lie. But, I mean, I catch myself every day decolonizing is what I call mm. it. 
when I'm like, oh, that's not real, is it? Yeah. It's like that Disney fairy tale thing that I told myself as a little young Canadian thinking this of this wonderful country. And then the older you get, it's like, oh, that's not really true. Mm-hmm. This isn't true. That's not true. Nothing's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And that's hard to swallow, man. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to swallow that. Like, not only have we been lied to, but we're being lied to. Yeah. And, like, I guess my question is, like, what do we do? I mean, sorry, I, now I'm getting off on a totally different tangent. Well, we do mending broken hearts. That's right. That's what we do. Because, <laughs> like, there is, mm-hmm. like, I mean, counseling, I've been through counseling since I'm in my 20s. And every time you go, every book you read, whatever, you, you learn something new on how to deal with life, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing that I hope people will get out of it is that, you know, here are some new ways, new perspective. And as like everyone in the circle right now knows the gravity of a circle, the Mm -hmm. gravity of having a sport club, uh, group, anything, um, how that helps you, you know, feel Mm -hmm. like you belong somewhere and that you can share, you know, a lot of that deep-seated pain. Mm -hmm. But you can't heal, you can't grieve if you don't let it out, Mm -hmm. right? And if you can do it in a safe space with resources, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. That's and that's how what we do together. Yeah. So I'm, I'm honored to have such a good team because I, I don't believe anything's successful without a team, mm-hmm. and that's what we have. Yeah, and the Agreed. the opportunity you can tell who actually does a podcast and who doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I just gotta say that <laughs> um, I don't know when to jump in. But I, okay, so I'm jumping in to say, you know, the knowing that we're worth that healing yes. is a huge component of it. And, you know, when you say, like, what do we do? You know, we have to build each other up mm-hmm. because there has been systems in place that have put white people at the top. And then as the color skin gets darker... They have less and less, less rights, Mm. you know. And so we have to try and build each other up to realize that there isn't a hierarchy like that anymore. There never was. Mm -hmm. It was imposed. It was a system that was designed, right? That's not the truth Mm -hmm. of living on Earth. And then we need to build each other up and realize that we are worth healing. Mm -hmm. Whether we are on the colonizer settler side or we're indigenous Mm -hmm. we need to recognize we deserve to have a better world i don't think there's anybody on earth right now who is super happy with the way things are maybe about one percent of them are point zero (laughs) well zero one yeah (laughs) but are they happy or are they just rich yeah good point point. you know like Money doesn't buy you happiness. Yeah. And they're probably very alone in their giant houses with their expensive cars, wondering, is this really all there is? Mm. You know, so even when we look at the majority of people, whether they have money or don't, I don't think anybody's really super happy with the way things are happening mm. right yeah. now. Mm. When we are at our happiest, it's when we get a chance to build community, mm. to build a purposeful community like the well variety circles where we're healing together. We're opening up those wounds and saying, hey, I've got this piece of gravel in here. Mm-hmm. You know, can you use your tweezers to help me pull it out and clean mm-hmm. off this wound so I can heal, right? Um, I feel like that will be the point where we can come together. Um, one of the people on Facebook recently, I've forgotten his name, he talked about passing 
the mic to indigenous voices. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, and I think David did a great job of, of doing this. Mm-hmm. Stepping, if you're not indigenous, stepping away from a leadership position, mm-hmm. right? And letting us do our own work, mm-hmm. right? Um, David hasn't facilitated any of the men's medicine wheel and 12-step groups and he's done that consciously aware of the fact that there are indigenous people who want to do this work who are trained and need to lead the way Mm -hmm. and i think that's awesome you know it's it's weird just to hear it like that because really it's a no-brainer right Mm -hmm. like it just is a no-brainer it's like what would i have to really offer i mean there's got to be something probably but at the same time I'm just beginning to have a, a comprehension of what ha- has happened and what's happening. Like, I don't know anything. So um, I just know that you guys do, right? And, and I'm, I'm saying you guys because you're in the room. We're all here. You folks. Um, you folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or should I say, like, who said that? No, Y'all. That was Don Cherry, hey? Yeah. Don Cherry. <laughs> you people. You people. Hey? Like, you people. Oh, what? no. What a jackass. <laughs> anyway. I think that's um, a hard thing for me, though, is because I feel like sometimes I don't know, like, a lot of people's experience. I've never mm-hmm. lived those experiences. So it's, like, hard to see me, myself, in a role of, like, oh, I'm going to help you heal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that just seems really egotistical. Like, somehow <laughs> I have this power. But but I think, for me, I've I've come to realize, like, it's just about being there. It is. And myself, I have to heal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we're going to do it together. We're not going to, it's not, this person stands up and tells you how to get better. And then everybody Yo, goes, oh, awesome, and walks mm-hmm. away. So I, and that's what I like about it is, is that, you know, like we might all be facilitators and we have our own various things we need to heal from just because life is life. Mm-hmm. But I think the reality is, I feel like when we're in that room, it's not that like, there's nobody that's better than anybody and I think that's that program. And I think that's my feeling when I'm sitting in a room of indigenous people mm-hmm. and we do a sharing circle or we do a ceremony. Even in a sweat lodge, there's somebody who leads the sweat lodge, but they're not the almighty ruler of all that is sweat lodges. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's it's it seems like if you take that ego out of it and you, you walk in that room, it's like the program kind of forces everybody to just be human beings mm-hmm. we're all human beings in a room now yeah and now we're all going to work on this crap that we've been carrying around forever and that's what i really like about it yeah 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 Sorry. it's really about empowerment and uh you know seeing where we come from as our own person i mean you can only be as empowered as you can be depending where you are so like I w- i've been talking to um heather quite a bit about Every time you watch a video, you hear something new. So I think mm-hmm. even if I've been through this program 20 times, even on the 20th time, you're still hearing something different that you didn't hear before, just depending on where you are on your own personal journey, right? So it, it really is all about that self-empowerment and, you know, understanding. Um, well, the videos, I think, teach a lot of people and like Dave... It's just touching a bit on what you were saying about how, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff you didn't know. I didn't know a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff. Um, I was taught, like I, I was, my, my parents split. And when they split, I call it the worst divorce on the planet because 
I ended up with my dad and heard the worst things about Native, Native women, and uh, in general. So the small little snippets that I got were not good. And then it wasn't until the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that I really understood the bigger gravity of everything. Mm -hmm. And I really believe, like, my book club is trying to have these conversations about, like, I didn't know, you didn't know, no Mm -hmm. one knew. How do we heal from this now? How do we know? And, like, now I know where all of the trauma comes from. Now I know. But I didn't know for most of my life. Mm -hmm. It was just a darkness. And and, uh, we call it when you internalize that hate uh, internalized racism, internalized sexism, I had that. Um, so my own journey has been undoing that, unlearning all of the negative things that I thought were a truth that were not a truth. And, and then the opposite happened where I was like, wait a second. So we lived through this, 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 and this, and we're still here? That gave me my source of pride, like, oh, yeah? Well, guess what my family lived through. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. But that's, no, that's not a small thing, right? Like, no. Um, there's, and I think part of the healing for the, on the one side with the trauma is one thing, but in order for um, the col- colonial side to actually understand is to have more and more people, and I, I'm encouraging people right now, I'm actually promoting this, but... I'm, I'm encouraging people who are have no idea to get in touch with this well-variety movement, to get in touch with it. And if you need to have any questions, get in touch with us because we'll help you get connected. And, and if you're, say, say you're not Indigenous, you can still take these groups. Like you're, you're still welcome to come on Mondays or Tuesdays, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, honestly, it would be a great way to learn. Like, and that's all it is, is learning. We're, we're just trying to learn. Like you said, like, mm-hmm. I, I think we all kind of accept the fact, you know what? We didn't know what we didn't know. Yep. We had no idea what we didn't know. Go ahead. I'll, I'll interrupt and say before they come to Albrighty, maybe they should go see Marilyn and do a blanket exercise. Perfect. Because there is, it is a healing space, mm-hmm. right? So we want to bring people in with a minutia of understanding. And Could I feel, you describe, absolutely. Marilyn, what a blanket exercise Yeah, I was going to bring that up, oh, actually. Thank you. Um, I do these Kairos blanket exercises, and it's educating people from from all backgrounds um, the history of when Turtle Island began and when the Europeans came over and how things just changed one thing after another mm. to now. And so why we are still, still struggling with this... Um, my mother and my all my siblings went to residential school, so I've lived with that. And I, um, I don't know how this happened, but I grew up in two worlds: a white world and native world. And I just was always confused about who I was and where I came from and what am I and do I have a purpose and all this other stuff. Because my parents never, I never really heard it much, you know, being talked about. Um, and all my friends where we lived, I, I went to non-native um, schools. All my friends were non-native. So I just figured I was like them, except my skin color was different. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, somebody would remind me of that, you know, mm-hmm. that who I was. And I'd get name called and so on when I was in school. So, And uh, it would hurt, but I didn't really know what it was about. <laughs> and so... 
I'm one of the intergenerational, and it's uh, it's almost like I went through residential school because of my mom, how she was treated, uh, came on to me. And these people that were in residential school weren't taught how to, you know, cuddle with with uh, their child and read a story and say, you know, I love you, good night, you know, sing a song, whatever. They just had to go straight to bed, and most, a lot of them actually, in the middle of the night, would, uh, you know, a priest or nun would come and take them from the room, and they'd be sexually assaulted, and and not just once, it'd be numerous times. Mm-hmm. And so that was really really, really hard. And uh, some of my family were gone and were in these places for like 11 years. So it was like a jail. And I really believe the ones that have passed on in my family, like when they passed away, they had a lot of anger, resentment, rage, which I think sometimes brought on that illness. But... um, It was just, I always wondered, like, why why is he like that, and why is she like that, and why do I feel like this, like, constantly? I was always seeking, and uh, and I have a lot of answers today. I know now where I came from, and what's happening, and why, and so for myself, I worked hard on myself for a lot of years, and um, and I've healed in a lot of different ways, so I can do what I do today, because uh, I can help somebody heal. And it's um, it's really awesome just to to be a vessel and to be there and to be used by a creator to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about me. It's about those people that are in that circle mm-hmm. and where they're going to go and how can I help. And there's a lot of non-native too, like uh, in that indigenous, non-indigenous talking stick healing ceremony. For, for men and women, there's a lot of non-Indigenous that come. And of course, you know, they are to come to learn of our history. And so they do learn a lot, and um, they're grateful, but not only that, but then they start talking about themselves, and they start talking about their history, and how they were sexually assaulted, and how their daughter was raped. And it just goes on and on and on. And a lot of these people have never spoke once to anybody verbalized it. And I understand that because I was sexually assaulted when I was a little girl. So I I know what that's like. It was years, 1994, before I even came out of my mouth. So I'm really grateful uh, for everything we do as far as giving back and, you know, helping other people. And uh, I can't just sit back and watch, you know, people hurting and when when they can have a good life, you know. And even if it's a seed planted, that's good, you know. They might come hear it, think about it, the seed's planted, you know. I mean, they might come back another time or whatever. But even if they leave and don't come back, that seed is still planted. And, you know, I believe Creator will just take them another step to to somewhere else where only He knows how that person's going to heal. So only Creator can, um, you know, take me and bring me to the places I need to go. And the other thing, there's no way I'd be sitting here today because of all the all my brothers and sisters that I've lost. Well, they're not lost. They're, they passed and moved on to the spirit world. 
um, I wouldn't be sitting here being calm and peaceful because I know where they are for one thing, but the other thing is I wouldn't be able to go through what I've went through. It's almost like I had to take baby steps, 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 experience this, experience that, and finally come to a place in my life where I really got into the deeper healing. And I know you've all probably heard about the onion peeling each layer, like there's thousands, right? <laughs> so that was me. And, you know, I went to the 12-step program and got sober. Getting sober is one thing. Being a dry drunk is another. And you can be sober like my, my ex-husband and I were for 25 years and be miserable and still have your same old attitude, your same old outlook, um, you know, just being miserable. And, and I, I went through some, uh, you know, abuse and stuff like that. Mm. But um, it's a long, long story, but I, I share my story at these blanket exercises. And I am so happy about this broken heart, mending broken hearts, because I know together as a team, you know, this has been opened up, this has been gifted to us mm. to carry this through, to carry it on to what needs to be done. And it's going to happen. It is happening already. And also with the Medicine Wheel 12 steps, it's happening already. And with the men's ceremony, like when the men come to the men's ceremony, mm -hmm. I've mentioned them to get involved with uh, mending broken hearts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've got a couple numbers and contacts, and I think it's just great that uh, there are people that are really wanting to live a good life, and they're curious, and mm -hmm. you know, they come to the maybe the AA program, and then come to the mending broken hearts, and then maybe go to the medicine wheel. 12 steps and it just and then the ceremonies and the Kairos blanket exercise that's just a really really good uh, workshop to experience um, I've been in the university with the psychology faculty and um, a lot of different faculties there and schools and churches businesses oil companies engineering companies <coughs> and uh, it's amazing how there are so many people that never knew. Mm -hmm. You know, and they'll say, oh, come I never knew this before. I've never heard of this before. And a lot of them actually get angry. And they just, like, feel like they've been ripped off, like maybe they could have been doing something all these years, mm -hmm. but they believed a lie, you know. And in the schools, back then they had the textbooks, but they sure didn't teach what the truth. And that's, that's kind of what I'm about. I want this truth out there. You know, I want the truth out there big time, like um, on, in honor of my family. You know, like I've seen and heard what they've had to go through and their mates, their kids, their grandkids, even myself. Like I'm, I was totally affected. My kids, my grandkids, whether it's social anxiety or whatever, like there's, everybody's affected. You know, and it just goes down the line like that. But yeah, it's uh, it's very very exciting what's what's happening and looking forward to it because we're there as facilitators and and some you know, but you know the spirit is there and that's the most important. The spirit is there doing the work, 
and we're there as, you know, willing. It's so important to be willing to do this, and, and I'm so grateful that we all are willing to do this work, because that's the only way uh, people can be healed. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful you guys are all doing it too. Like, I really am. I, th- I think there's a, a depth. Well, I know there's a need. Like, there's a need for more people to know what mm-hmm. ha- what's happened and what continues to happen. Like, even with Michelle, like, when we were out there doing that, Many Broken Hearts, I can't remember how you worded it, but you were talking about just how the simple things of even just going to the store, like, that gets in the way when you go to a store, mm-hmm. just being Indigenous. And, like, I, 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 remember, I don't know if I told you. I, I think I did, mm-hmm. but when I was leaving after that course, the last day there, I was getting gas and I was in the gas station and I was waiting in line and I was watching a a mother and two daughters and they were indigenous and they were being completely fucking ignored. And they were in front of me and the dude looked over them and said, Hey, can I help you? And I said, no, not until you help them. And he, he, because I didn't know what was going on. Right. So I was just like, no, like I wasn't here first. Why are you even looking at me? And sure enough, then he goes, oh, okay, I didn't even notice you. And I was like, okay, first of all, I don't know how you don't notice two teenage kids mm-hmm. who are yammering at each other right in front of you. Like, and the mom's sitting there as quiet and calm as she can be, right? Like, I'm sure she's probably, that's the 10th time that day that happened to her. Yeah. Right? And uh, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think people realize that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we did. I, I know I didn't. I didn't realize it was so ingrained even into the smaller actions we take every day. And by smaller, I don't mean insignificant. I just mean small. When you go to a store, you're buying some bread or something like that, right? Um, They're actually called microaggressions. Microaggressions. Thank you. See, I'm learning a whole bunch about language yeah. in the yeah. last couple of years. I'm keep <laughs> learning. So my, what's a microaggression? A microaggression is a way that somebody treats you differently in an everyday situation mm. that be simply because of your culture or hair skin color or uh, religion mm-hmm. uh, for example going shopping being followed around by a store walker when here's white granny over here lifting all the pantyhose she can carry mm-hmm. you know but the microaggression is focused on you simply because you're indigenous. Mm. Or um, what's another good example? Well, today on the sea train, um, I was there with uh, some indigenous brothers, and a white woman took it upon herself to walk right through our crowd. She hit me with her bag, did not turn and say I'm sorry, which I'm pretty sure is quite normal. But, you know, I'm an indigenous woman in my ribbon skirt on the sea train station. I'm not worth being treated respectfully and equally as non-indigenous would treat non-indigenous, right? Yes. Like, it's one thing to go through a crowd. There was room for her to go around. She chose not to. She chose to hit me with her bag. Mm-hmm. She chose that. That is the microaggression that happened to me today. Could that um, be considered also gaslighting a bit too? Oh, um, well, to not say anything? To, to just not kinda, say anything? Yeah, yeah just to like do it. a little it. bit of both? Absolutely. Okay. So one other thing I really wanted to say to people who are listening, um, I actually was talking to a Métis friend of mine, and she's out in Ontario now, and I was telling her about Wellbriety and telling her about White Bison Society, and she's like, well, I'm not in Calgary. 
And I said, well, that's the thing. Um, this is like all across Turtle Island. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening in California or you're listening in, uh, I don't know, Newfoundland, well, maybe not today, Newfoundland <laughs> would be still digging themselves out, but it, it's yeah, yeah. really across, like all North America is Turtle Island and it's all across Turtle Island and it originally came out of the States, but you know, they use terms like Indian boarding school because that's what happened in the States. But in Canada, it's Indian residential school. And it's the same policies, just labeled differently. And uh, so if you're not from Calgary and you're hearing us and you're getting all excited about talking about the medicine wheel and talking about healing, just have a look in your area. Your local friendship center may already be running it, mm -hmm. especially if you're in the Red Deer area. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and I, I just encourage it so that that way too, if you're, you know, going anywhere, if you're from Toronto and you're coming out to Calgary, come join our circle for the day because this, it's the same family. It's the White Bison Society. It's across North America and should feel comfortable going into those spaces, knowing what we're all about. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and maybe um, I'll mention two things. Whitebison.org actually has a searchable database of all the meetings that are happening mm -hmm. around Incredible. the world. Cool. Right? So our meetings are on, listed on there. There's other meetings in just about like so many different centers. And then maybe we should run people through what a meeting is like. Sure. You know, like from the very beginning. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm, I'm used to being the podcast host. So I encourage yeah, you to start. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll go for it. Yeah. Um, so when we like, we'll start... I'll speak about the women's meeting that we have on Tuesday evenings. They start at 7 p.m. And we'll start the meeting with making tea for everybody and just trying to make it like a warm and welcoming space where people are sitting in a circle. Um, in the center of the circle, we have a box of tissues and a paper bag and some lozenges. And we just encourage people to grab their tea, sign in. Our sign-in form has... Um, demographics. So it's asking if you are First Nations, Métis, uh, Inuit, non-status, or non-Indigenous. And the reason that we're keeping these demographics is, is we want to make sure that we're still serving the right communities, right? And uh, helping us access funding so that we can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we'll sit down and if Elder Marilyn Shingoose is there, she'll open us in a prayer and a smudge ceremony. Everybody is welcome to smudge. And then we will, uh, sometimes we'll read from the book that is like the elder's wisdom book for white bison. And I love this book because it's like a daily devotional, but with indigenous focused teachings, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So the one that's sticking out in my mind right now is the bundle of sticks, right? One stick is easy to break. A bundle of sticks is hard to break, right? And so the bundle of sticks represents people in community working together, mm. right? So things like that are are read out of the book every week, and that well, almost every week. I shouldn't say that we're not consistent, like prescription, doing the same thing every time. But um, but the smudge and the prayer we are the like smudge and the prayer consistent. we do, yeah, yep. yeah. And then we will um, just do a check in and see how everybody's week went. If anyone has to unload anything, they're welcome to do that. The circle is always confidential, mm -hmm. right? So we want people to come there and recognize that this is a safe space. You're there to do your healing. They're there to do their healing. And, and 
confidentiality helps everyone be able to do that better. Then we will watch one of the videos from Don Coyas's talk um, in the medicine wheel and the 12 steps. So this video is kind of hilarious because it was like filmed back in the 90s. So there's like some serious mullets happening. Great right? hair. Oh, great just hair. Just a great yeah. hair. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's kind of huge. And yeah, there were lots of mullets, wasn't there? Yeah. And the grainy video <laughs> technology. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely not 4K or anything no, like that. So. No. It's very simple. But I mean, the, the, the value of the video is Dawn's message. Yeah. Right. Speaking to these women who are in a penitentiary, who are looking to go through this healing together um, early on in the program. So we watch one of the videos. Usually we try and keep it under 40 minutes of video. Otherwise you start zoning out. And then... Or at least I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll take a break, grab some more tea, and then have a sharing circle. Right. And just have the opportunity to like reflect on the video, talk more about how that video or the teachings impacted us or unload something, whatever we feel like talking about, um, we share in the circle and then close out and see everybody next week. Mm -hmm. Now I had mentioned the, the paper bag and the middle of the room. So David and I had the opportunity to go to Ochise First Nation this summer and see the medicine wheel, pardon me, the hoop of a hundred eagle feathers, mm -hmm. um, which was involved in ceremony and, and an amazing experience. And one of the things that they taught us um, from the White Bison Society teaching is to collect tears, right? So they recommended at all of our meetings to have a paper bag, <coughs> you know, I, I know this is a ceremony for many other nations, but, um, you know, just when you cry, when you're expressing those emotions, they're coming out in the tears, you collect them on the tissue, you put them in the paper bag, and then you give them to an elder or a knowledge keeper who can take them to ceremony and put them into the sacred fire to cleanse them, mm -hmm. right? And that, something about that really stuck for me, yeah. right? Because it's kind of like the pain and the healing reaches... A final destination yeah. they're not just lingering on some tissue in a landfill forgotten right <laughs> like like yeah. there's a final 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 finality. finality to the to the pain yeah. that you're experiencing in that moment so um, that's what it's like for the women's group is there anything different about the men's group Darcy okay before you before okay. I give it back to Darcy I just want to say this too um, you know confidentiality obviously incredibly important but we bring it up too because i know there's always a concern about lateral violence and i don't blame our people for being concerned about that and uh, and that's part of the reason why we have that confidentiality so that we, you know that what what happens at the circle stays at the circle but the other part is if you're still nervous you don't have to sh overshare you know like i might be there blubbering like an idiot crying and sharing deep, dark things, but that doesn't mean you have to. The the healing journey is the healing journey. So it might you might come for another round, and it might be the second round where one person's not there that you feel more comfortable opening up. So if you're if you're listening and you're a little unsure, still encourage you to go feel out the group, mm -hmm. and and see how you feel because um, 
I respect that lateral violence is a real concern for Indigenous people, but I'm here to tell you that, you know, so you might not share in, in one round, maybe it'll be the next round, um, maybe it'll be next year, who knows, but you will still take away learnings, teachings from the video and then teachings from other people and maybe feel like you're not alone. Mm. So I just encourage people to consider coming, even if you're concerned about lateral violence. No one's going to force you to overshare. So, you know, just remember that as well. Sorry, Darce, how do you, no, how do you see the men's group a little differently? Besides the no tea business. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. No tea. <laughs> well, it's funny because the first night we set out all the stuff, right, and we got everything, and like the guys were like, yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so um so that's really probably i think the biggest difference is that uh ours is a smaller group and uh you know the guys they don't drink tea they don't want that so that's fine but it's it's very much the same starts off with you know smudge prayer um we kind of as the guys come in we're kind of talking but we kind of tend to sit down and kind of talk about the last week since the last meeting mm-hmm. um and struggles and happiness and joys and and surprises and whatever wonderful good bad whatever um then we do the video and then after that we basically talk about how that impacts us just like you guys do and uh running through this really quickly but it um you know we have like we you know the blankets in the middle we're in the circle and we just kind of talk about how the video impacts us and what we learned or or the because it's interesting because everybody gets a little bit out of the videos differently mm-hmm. because I think depending on where you're at with whatever you're healing from, you this is going to resonate with you mm-hmm. as opposed to the next person down in the next seat beside you. It's this that resonates with them, and so it's kind of interesting to always see how the different aspects of the video or the different things he talks about how mm-hmm. it really impacts that guy. But for me, it was like a I don't know, just totally breeze past yeah. that point, right? So, and I think that's, I think it's really important to do that. And then we end with another prayer um, and then, then we just kind of pack up. But it's kind of nice because we, it kind of, we always talk about moving forward in the next week and um, how we can take these things from the videos and, and you know, what we're going to do with that for the next week. Mm-hmm. Are we just going to think about it? Um, and, you know, I think, so I think that's kind of nice to set the intention for the next week. Mm. You know, not a big intention, not like, oh, well, every day I'm going to set my watch and 20 minutes is going to be spent doing this. Mm. It's nothing like that. It's just, this is, that's something I have to really think about, Mm. you know, and, or, yeah, try not to do that or try to do this a little different. And it's, it's been pretty cool. Mm. Cool. So, but that's, I, the only difference I think is this, the tea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we sing the strong women's song. I don't think you sing the strong women's song. Yeah, I'm not a drummer or singer, so (laughs) I I have no songs to sing. But, um, but that's, you know, I'm, and I mean, as we grow, I think the group will change Mm -hmm. slightly. And, um, like I said, we're, for the men's group, it's a fairly small group, but it's kind of nice for the, for me, for the first time facilitating, kind of, it's nice to have a small Mm -hmm. group because you kind of get to know each other a little bit and seems really personal but uh, it's not as overwhelming right yeah yeah but um but it's still great and, and we still uh get a lot out of it and yeah. you know the guys that are coming seem really happy and mm-hmm. excited to be there so cool. which is awesome cool wherever right. two or more are gathered my friend yeah <laughs> yeah that's right yeah wherever two or more are gathered does any, anyone else have anything i had something earlier and i totally forget it but I just kind of wanted to, because I noticed in the room, it's, I thought it was interesting because every, almost everybody in the room kind of does something outside of Wellbriety, mm-hmm. 
but is kind of along the same lines of trying to either heal mm-hmm. themselves or others or both. So like uh, Marilyn talked about the blanket ceremony. Um, Michelle's got her, her book club and a million other things you do, but um, basically you got your book club. That's one of the, one of the big things that you do every month. And then you do a lot of art and find healing through that. And um, you know, so I think it's really cool that we got, like, it's not just, this is the one thing we all took training mm-hmm. in. It's like, there's a lot of experience in the people mm-hmm. here and you know, all of that experience is coming into, yeah. you know, what we, the, the room when you're doing that, just as the participants are bringing their experience mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. I just, I think it's a really awesome mix of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's super awesome. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, if you're worried about like no, having no formal like training or anything like that, I got to tell you, I've seen better work done from people who are just willing to sit down and have a coffee with somebody. Yeah. yeah. I've seen great things come from those conversations. Yeah. yeah. And not so great things come from other conversations, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, really all it takes is a kind open heart, mm-hmm. right? To help someone heal. Like it doesn't yeah. take a whole lot. Mm-hmm. A willingness and, to listen. Yeah. The willingness to listen and give that space for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And I also wanted to say one thing, and I'm not going to disclose anyone in particular, but one of the things that I've noticed about the group for the for the first couple groups that we had, there was, <clears throat> excuse me, women coming who were indigenous, but have been completely cut off from their culture, mm. whether it was because of family, or they were 60 scoop survivors, or uh, they just never had the opportunity to learn or their family was really colonized. There was a lot of, uh, quite a few people who came who said, you know, I'm indigenous, but I don't know where to go to mm. learn my culture. Yeah. I don't know how to connect with an elder. I don't know how to do a smudge ceremony or how to get into a sweat ceremony. I And so we became one of those starting points, mm-hmm. right? They were able to connect with the teachings of the medicine wheel with Elder Marilyn Shingus, with other indigenous people in the community and started looking at like, what does it mean to heal from being cut off from culture, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that Mending Broken Hearts addresses is culture is prevention. Mm-hmm. Or I think that's medicine that's wheel exactly 12 steps. You know, if, if we're cut off from culture and community, it makes mm-hmm. space for addiction, trauma, mm-hmm. mental illness to come into our lives yeah. because there's nothing else there. Yeah. It's a vacuum, right? So when we are able to reconnect to culture, we become too full mm-hmm. of good, positive healing to allow addiction, mental illness, mm-hmm. uh, unhealthy behaviors to take over our lives, yeah. right? Um, and so I, I really just want to say that you know, we're not we're not like a guru or a bridge or anything like that. But for people who are not experienced with any of these things, we might be able to help connect them. I would say you're all a bridge, regardless of how you might feel. Yeah, because if you're if to, to be a bridge, you're basically acting as a uh, um, structure, sort of to allow people to get from one place to another. And uh, you have to be a bridge here because we're coming from trauma to, yeah, to health. Mm. And there's a 
vast chasm between that, regardless of what trauma it is, right? Like it, it's a vast chasm between I need help and I'm starting to get help. And it was one of the things I noticed uh, from this service today. I went to a, a suicide funeral, and the, one of the speakers was um, getting a little bit mad about the, um, the available supports that are out there for mental health, right? And, uh, and the reality is, is that there's lots of supports, but to get from here to the supports is quite often mm. like walking the Grand Canyon. Right? Yes. For a human. Because you're not, when we're at that point A, we like, we all, and I think, I can't remember where it was from. Oh, it was from the Joker movie or something like that. It said, like, one of the funniest things about mental illness is that everybody expects you to act like you don't have one. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, kind yeah. of the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we expect point A to be much healthier than they are. Sure. We expect point A to be much healthier than they could be because of what's happened to them prior to that point A. Yep. And that's, that's part of what makes it so difficult to cross that chasm to actually getting the help. So you guys are bridges. So, yeah, I won't allow you to get away with that. Well, I'm just trying to shrink the ego, not make it sound like, hey. But together you're bridges, right? Together we're all bridges. And that's the idea, I think. I I don't know. Anyway, that's my opinion. I think you are a bridge. It's a great team to connect everyone. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that Heather was talking about, I was one of those. I'm indigenous, but... I hadn't. No, I didn't know anything about my culture. Became a Christian. Was in that for many years. Was a minister. Uh, had my bachelor's of education and theology, and so in a lot of churches, I was told, "Do not have anything to do with your culture because it's of witchcraft." And um, so, yeah, quite a few experiences with that. And. Uh, there was a lady actually that came either to this to the, one of the medicine wheel teachings we had in here, and she came up to me just scared, like I'm a Christian, and I don't know if I should be here because <laughs> you know it's kind mm-hmm. of like cultural, right? Yeah. And um, you know, I discomforted her, like uh, you know, I was like her at one time, terrified, full of fear, that you know, seeing demons and whatever, like. It just went on and on and on. And finally, I realized, like, my culture, because my mom used to always say a few things to me off and on, and I used to just laugh about it. And she says, well, I'm not teaching anything anymore because all you do is laugh, and I'm so sorry for that now. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what happened. Like, I didn't know anything about my culture, so as I got into it, it took me a long time, a good five years, to, to finally warm up to my culture. Mm. It took a while. And finally, I went full force into my culture. Do you, and, can I ask you a question about that? Sure. Do you think it took five years um, to, to get the indoctrination out of you from the, from the other, from the colonial church or whatever you want to call it, the Christian church? Was that, was that like how that time span to get comfortable with your culture? Was it because you had to get rid of all that old shit? Well, yeah. I guess yeah. it started in, in the program because um, I had issues with alcohols and dr- drugs at one time. And so when I came into the program, um, my sponsor said, whatever you've learned 
whatever you know, whatever, you know, education, whatever, just wipe it all away and just start with a clean slate. And I'm like, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> you know, but um, I did that and I, my best as I could and I did the 12 steps and it, it really did help because I didn't have that stuff over here trying to confuse stuff with here, you know. I just kind of left that there mm -hmm. and moved on to the steps. So I had a better understanding of um, myself. So, and this mending broken hearts is even, it even takes you just further, mm -hmm. more into your, your whole being, yes. going deep into to the inner healing, which I really like because... Mm -hmm. um, People will only go so far, and then they just kind of stay there and kind of wonder, you know, like, yeah. should I go forward? Should I just stay sitting on this, you know, on the fence, or what? What do I want to do? Mm. So that was, um, I can help people that are struggling with that too. It, it can be a struggle, mm. and like even with my own kids and and suicide. My, my brother committed suicide, and uh, I had a nephew that committed suicide. And so I know the, the effects of that onto another person. I know why they, they did what they did. It goes right back to the residential school. And um, I've often wanted to start something to do with suicide mm -hmm. prevention and mental health prevention, like, because it, you know, it starts way back there. You know, and then it just kind of grows and builds and grows with all your experiences, you know, just like a big ball, like a, you know, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it turns into an onion, and then we have to peel it and peel it and peel it. <laughs> you know, it's just okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's so sad, though, because there's a lot of people that take all their pain and all their hurt to their grave, and that's not necessary. You know, because life is so beautiful. There's so much to offer and so much to do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to see that if we're buried beneath a bunch of trauma. Right? It's hard to see how beautiful life really is, right? And I know that from my own life, and probably everyone here has an mm -hmm. idea of that. Um, you guys, anything else you want to talk about? Today? I, I remembered what I said what I was oh, thinking about okay. earlier, and, and uh, so I have like... <coughs> I guess two of the things that I really like about this whole program, the whole Bum White Bison thing is, mm -hmm. one, it's not specific to a nation. Mm -hmm. So they've tried to build it so that it's very adaptable to everybody's different way of doing things. So mm -hmm. if you smudge a certain way, then you smudge that way. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, oh, you're smudging our way. No, yeah. no, you're doing it. Like yeah. it's it, so it's very adaptable. And I find that that's an amazing thing because it can yeah. be really... Even if you're in a room full of people, you don't all have to smudge the same. Yeah. You know, um, or you don't have to, you know, if you're doing another ceremony, if you're if you're sharing circles, we're doing differently. Well, then do it your way. Yeah. You know, and that's what they really encourage. And I think it's really important for people to hear that and know that this is really open to your specific mm -hmm. way of doing things. Not It's not white bison dictating how you're going to heal, how you're mm -hmm. going. It's here's some tools on how to heal. Mm -hmm. But the ceremony all around it is based on your ceremony. What is your ceremony? Um, and so there may be people that don't know that we're disconnected mm -hmm. and that's fine because they can come and learn. 
Um, but there's a lot of other people that maybe were connected or were, did a lot mm -hmm. of ceremony. And, but they can apply that here as well. So I think that's one of the nice things about it. And then now I've lost my train of thought on that other one. But You're welcome. Um, yeah. I'll, oh, I, the other. Yeah, no, I totally lost it. Anyway, that was the last thing I wanted to say about it. So <laughs> Thanks, Darcy. I appreciate it. I just wanted to bring yes. up uh, forgiveness, you know, how, mm -hmm. how important that is. And uh, I found that as I started making amends to people that I hurt over my lifetime, that, it, that I was more free. So I'd forgive like 10 people, and I was just getting more free and more free and more free, just more and more free. I didn't feel so um, like I had all these things hanging in baggage over in my head. So the one thing, step four and five in the medicine wheel, that is so important about doing your... Um, inventory and then also going to someone and, and talking about it. People, a lot of people think that's just silly and, you know, it doesn't have to be. But if you want to heal, yeah, do it, you know, because yeah. that's a... It's an important part of it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Okay, I just heard the doorbell. Yeah. Yeah. One of us is going to get it. I can get it. Yeah. No, yeah. You... I don't mind. I'll just... Uh... Okay, Heather's going. She's, <laughs> She's, She's quick. On She's on the ball. But she's no. going because yeah, she knows who the person is and I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met her yet. So <laughs> yeah, awesome. our next guest. Yeah, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, well thank. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you very much, Michelle, awesome. Marilyn. Uh, thank you for coming, uh, and Heather. Thank you for coming, and Darcy. Thank you for coming <laughs> as always. And we'll put the links to White Bison and everything mm -hmm. in the description of the show for anybody that's interested. Yeah, and if we'll you're if you're out there and you you want to like the solution is for us to understand that's the solution, and like and by us I mean white people I guess, um, for us to understand the depth of what's happened, and the only way that we can understand that is by listening to the stories that tell us the depth of what happened, mm -hmm. and so I, I encourage anyone out there if you don't know about the actual residential schools and the boarding schools um, and what's happened in terms of that get involved self-directed learning like go and ask some people and i guarantee there's people on in this group tonight that would be happy to answer any questions you have mm -hmm. right like Absolutely. if you have questions um but don't expect that either because there's a lot of stuff out there that i learned to expect and um don't expect them people to do stuff for free first of all so as so as a as a white guy, I am a white guy, right? Um, there's a tendency for me to expect things for free sometimes. And it's true. I have it. It's in me. It's in my nature, a sense of entitlement. I, I don't know where it comes from. I have two brothers. We'd never got everything we wanted. <laughs> but somehow, there's still a sense of entitlement where if we ask people to do things, um, we expect them to do it gratis. But here's the thing. We're asking for a professor, basically, to come in and t teach us about that professor's um, area of expertise. So if we were to have a professor come and speak at our church, how much do you think a professor would, would charge us to come and speak at our church? A fair bit of money. So to think that an elder from any of the nations would be, um, would, that it would be okay to expect them to do it for free, I just want you to know it's not okay. I just want you to know it's not. And it doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that. We're going to make them. And it's okay to make them. 
but make them on the side of giving them money. And, and I'm not just saying money, give them gifts, whatever it, whatever it is that is required of that specific nation or whomever. Um, but, but just don't expect it to be for free. Okay. Because you know what? Most people don't get anything for free. Mm-hmm. And, and we're minimizing the importance of those roles when we expect that. And, uh, having been guilty of that in the past, that's why I'm saying it is because I, I want to acknowledge where I've been ignorant and where I'm learning based on everyone around me being so humble and able to teach me without having to hit me with stuff. Um, cause it used to be, that's how you taught me. You hit me with a bat or something like that. And then I would learn, but, uh, I'm grateful cause Darcy's big and I have a feeling that if he hit me with a bat, I'd be in trouble, right? He looks like a strong dude. Hey, um, anyway, thank you all for coming tonight and sharing with us about Wellbriety. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.